Hey, it's Aldwin. And I'm Jason. This is the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. New balls, please. We put our shit together so that we can entertain you. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Come back to life, Dick Edward. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, right? I, think, I feel like it's another ass comment, but... Jason Jason just called you on your bluff, and you, you came back and you called us an albatross? I don't know what that is. Do you know what this is? It's called entertainment in all caps. Time. Ready? Play. Welcome to the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Aldwin. We have come to the end. The end of the season. (laughs) I think every episode that we have done this year, whether it's like the French Open, Australian Open, Wimbledon, like the big ones, I always start off every episode saying, I can't believe it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I can't believe it. Like, this is the end of an entire tennis season with all the drama, tragedies, triumphs. It's just cray-cray. I know. It has been obviously very eventful with all the COVID stuff and the different protocols at different tournaments and different players making their mark. And, you know, we ended this week with the year-end finals Mm -hmm. uh, on both the men's and the women's side. So we're going to talk about both of those things. And I don't know if it's harder to believe that, you know, the tours are sort of wrapping up. Davis Cup is next week, obviously. But that the Australian swing will start in like five and a half weeks or six (laughs) weeks. Like, I don't know which is more insane, that it just starts all over again. Yeah, I mean, covering the Australian Open at the beginning of this year with all of the hubbub around uh, the quarantining and Yulia Putinseva screaming that she needed fresh air to breathe <laughs> feels like an eternity ago. Yeah, but we're going to be into that all over again. And this year, obviously, a whole new set of issues with uh, what it sounds like quarantine requirements. Sorry, not mm-hmm. quarantine requirements, vaccine requirements. Sorry, quarantine yeah. requirements was last year. <laughs> <laughs> I know this is like level two. Yeah, this is 2.0. <laughs> AO 2.0 COVID years. Um. Ready Play Tennis podcast on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Ready Play Tennis. Thank you <laughs> to all of you who are supporting us. And um, is this where we tease or do you want to save that to the end? Some not, you know, I think statistically people don't always get to the end of an episode. No, we're going to jump right into it. Yeah. So. Jason and I have been toiling day in, day out to get our <laughs> our merch line ready. On its face, you would imagine, oh, okay, a little t-shirt here, a little mug there. You know, it's going to be really cute. There is a lot of work, and we're so excited, but it's like passionate work. Um, we're so excited to be launching our Ready Play Tennis Podcast merch store on Friday. Friday. <laughs> you are all so excited we know to rep your favorite podcast out and about with your friends and say you know what's that you're wearing and what are you gonna say you're gonna say that's my favorite boys from the ready play tennis podcast yo (laughs) there is a cute assortment of merch you know i think we're gonna definitely do uh, an ig story about the assortment this week um tease it a little bit you know how we do and uh, on friday you can just 
jump on that Black Friday bandwagon and get yourself a gift for yourself or a gift for your favorite person that loves the, loves the podcast. Yeah, it's funny that you talk about teas because teas is one of the items that you can buy at the store. <laughs> <laughs> The teas are a tease. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Yes, it's very exciting. Um, We really appreciate um, anything that you can buy for yourself and for your family for the holidays and uh, support the show. Um, Okay, this is a story we want to continue from Mm -hmm. last week. Chinese tennis star Peng Shui has kind of made some appearances in some very strange ways. (laughs) Um, maybe it's worth sort of running through, uh, the timeline again. I know you did this last week, so maybe you could just do a quick run through one more time. Sure. Cliff's notes version. Yeah. November, November 2nd, Peng Shui goes on her social media platform, Weibo, and she posts about, uh, an alleged sexual assault with a man, a former vice premier of China that happened, um, about three years ago. Since that post, um, the Chinese government removed it and kind of washed Peng Shui from existence, essentially. Like, the actual post was washed. Any internet searches regarding her, regarding tennis, were washed. And there was concern because no one had heard from her since November 2nd. And, you know, there are a few players that are kind of on the radar, like Alizé Cornet. We talked a little bit about our GLTA friend, Michelle Jabour, um, kind of calling Chris Everett and the Legends of Tennis to kind of comment on the Peng Shui situation. And since then, um, there has been an uproar and an upswell of this retweeting, this resharing of the hashtag, where is Peng Shui? And all it was for was to ascertain where she was and whether she was safe. So that's kind of where we left off last week's episode. Yeah, and so it has got a little bit more complicated, a little bit s- stranger, if that's <laughs> um, even how you can describe this. Uh, so there was a groundswell of, you know, outcry from players, Naomi, Serena, Djokovic, Djoko. some, mm-hmm. of the, some of the other folks that you had mentioned. And then Chinese state media puts out a purported email that says it's from Peng Shui, would you mm-hmm. like me to read the email? Yeah, I'm curious because okay. I've heard of it, but I've actually never read it. <laughs> okay. Sorry, I don't mean to laugh. It's just I'm laughing because it's just ridiculous. So, okay. <laughs> Hello, everyone. This is Peng Shui. <laughs> Regarding the recent news release of the official website of the WTA, the content has not been confirmed or verified by myself, and it was released without my consent. The news in that release, including the allegations of sexual assault, is not true. I'm not missing, nor am I unsafe. I've just been resting at home and everything is fine. Thank you again for caring about me. (laughs) If the WTA publishes any more news about me, please verify it with me and release it with my consent. As a professional tennis player, I thank you all for your companionship and consideration. I hope to promote Chinese tennis with you all if I have the chance, Eek, if I have the chance, <laughs> China Scotter, I know. Uh, if I have the chance in the future, I hope Chinese tennis will become better and better. Once mm-hmm. again, 
thank you for your consideration. That's, That's whack. That's so weird. I wish that we could be more... There were a lot of DMs that flew into our IG just with speculations all over the place about Peng Shui. I mean, you can imagine the range of concern about where, about her whereabouts, about <laughs> about just what was going on with her. First of all, I mean, I don't know how Peng really communicates in English, but like there's just so many problematic things in that email first of all why would she post on her personal weibo account on november 2nd something that she would only have personal access to alleging the sexual assault um this potential sexual assault and then go on the record that this chinese state media whatever release saying that the wta releasing this information is untrue and what did it say in the email that the allegations that are not are not true essentially yeah the allegations of sexual assault is not true okay whatever don't believe it for one second yeah so you had noted in the notes that steve simon also did not believe this and it mm-hmm. only grew his concern about the situation and he started you know making very strong statements i think strong for the sports community when it comes to china because nobody has had the the cojones to stand up to China. The NBA in particular has not stood up to China. Um, People have been apologists to China. You know, I remember John Cena saying something inflammatory about China, according to China. And then he went out and apologized because he was releasing a big movie there and people want that money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, for him to sort of have a hard stance and realize that, the hundreds of millions of dollars that they've invested in China with the tournaments and the year-end championships, which didn't happen there this year mm-hmm. um, and may never happen there again now as a result of this. Um, I think people are really um, giving a clap-clap to the WTA for finally standing up to to the Chinese regime. Yeah, you know, he reiterated all of these things in his Tennis Channel interview that I watched. And... Um, you know, sometimes I think there's pressure to make a stand, but when the going gets tough, you really don't, you know, execute and um, go along with your word. But he seemed like, you know, his first and foremost concern was for her well-being and for her safety. And I mean, he just came across as like fatherly parental figure. Like we need to have evidence that Pung is safe and that she is not in a situation where she feels pressured or coerced to uh, say anything that might kind of put her own self in danger and he's like yeah i you you want to see me pull the plug on all these tournaments in china i have no problem doing that so like talk about bde like he was just letting everyone have it (laughs) so good for you sir yeah and then (laughs) there was a video that came out did you happen to see the video Okay, can I just share my little story here? So the video that came out, I felt like I had first access to it because, you know, being the IG person for Ready Play, I we you and I both follow the Peng Shui fan page IG account. And so I'm like, of course, if there's any account to follow at this time, it's going to be that one. So they posted a series of stories claiming, first of all, this IG account claimed on Sunday evening that Peng message them personally (laughs) personally and i whatever fine i'm gonna give that that account the benefit of the doubt saying that she's safe um 
and that you know she's just chilling at home in her home in China in Beijing. Um, and then they continued to post this series of like videos that we that later were picked up by the media at large and were broadcast and whatnot of her at these dinners, of her on court at this junior tennis tournament event situation in Beijing, just proving that she's alive and that she's well and that basically leave her alone. So I tagged WTA in that story and the resharing of that story i'm like can someone legitimize and verify these stories because if it's true then that's great she's safe and she's doing well but um i don't know it just there's a bit of a veil there that makes me a bit nervous it doesn't seem all real to me yeah i mean the video of her at dinner with a few other folks um she sort of seems comfortable she's like nodding along the gentleman at the dinner table seems to be referencing the dates based mm-hmm. on the translation that it is November 20th or 21st or whatever. Today's the 21st. So that mm-hmm. would be, I guess they're 14 hours ahead or something like that. Um, but also they were talking about sort of matches and upcoming matches like, sh- and, and talking to her, like she's about to play a match, which I don't, know what she, what they're talking <laughs> about like maybe they're talking about this youth like event that she was part of but seemed more about her playing which made me believe that maybe it was an earlier time or i don't it's hard it's, it's just, so confusing it, it's so hard to follow i know and you know just to add to that in the articles that you and i both have read the chinese government is not unfamiliar to the situation of um allegations coming forth about one of their elected officials people that bring these allegations forward disappearing for some time and then suddenly resurfacing weeks months later and they come back and they're like hi everyone i'm back nothing nothing bad happened to me everything is good i live in china like <laughs> i'm safe in beijing i'm safe in beijing it's a bit sketchy i mean you know so uh, again i don't want to allow this narrative to be you know, to I don't want this image and fantasy about what I think is happening, like continue to run. But it's hard to not trust, yeah. especially when they have a history of this of of this cover these cover ups. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've I've been to China once. It was like fifteen years ago, but they're a little bit shady over there, and you know, there's a lot going on. People are talking about wanting to you know, boycott Beijing and the Mm -hmm. Olympics are coming up. They're, you know, coming up in two and a half months, the winter Olympics. Um, There's obviously a lot going on with their, their sort of incursion around in and around Taiwan. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the, the Uyghur Muslim situation, the internment camps, uh, Mm -hmm. imprisonment of apparently a million Weaker Muslims and, you know, Human Rights Watch and Amnesty International have called these, you know, uh, crimes against humanity. So there's a lot, I think, to question about this. And, I th- you know, the IOC is trying to do behind the scenes diplomacy as opposed to coming up with a strong statement. And that seems obvious because the Olympics are coming up. But, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, that's sort of the, the newest component of the story. Why don't you share that with our listeners you mean the ioc and their the video, video call with punk <laughs> <Yes>. today <laughs> 
So, I mean, in addition to these random videos that have been posted about Pung at these dinners and at these junior tournaments, the IOC um, president, along with two other officials from the IOC, one delegate from China, I believe, they, I don't want to use the word staged, I feel like that word is leading, but they had a video phone call with Pung today, um, proving her safety, because obviously the video phone call was live, um, and... From what I understood about the video phone call, there really wasn't any talk about the questions that the, the entire reason why this is a problem to begin with, which is the allegations. It was really just kind of like a surface. Are you OK? Where, where are you? What are you doing right now? And I believe the IOC president invited her to a dinner to take place sometime in January, to which she said, yes, she's going to attend. Um, and uh, my the question to my to that I asked when I watched the when I read the article was why not the WTA? Mm-hmm. I mean, again, they're just these events are supposed to illuminate and provide more clarity on the situation, but like it just leads to more questions. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I I'm glad that she's alive and well. It seems, but it just there's still a lot of questions that I feel need to be answered for anyone to feel comfortable with the situation. Yeah, I mean, I guess the fact that the Thomas Bach from the IOC had a video call with her and she seems fine is positive. Mm-hmm. If he would, if he's lying, that would be crazy. Yeah, and, incri- <laughs> and incriminating. And um, but yeah, there is obviously a lot to unpack in this whole situation. It's it's a story that goes beyond tennis and beyond sport to mm-hmm. you know human rights and public safety and censorship and me too all those sorts of things and just the the information i guess about what she shared seemed questionable of from the video call too that she said you know she thanked the ioc for their concern for her well-being she explained that she is safe and well living at her home in Beijing and she would just like to have her privacy respected. And that's Mm -hmm. why she prefers to spend her time with friends and family right now, but sort of Mm -hmm. no mention of the original, you know, Weibo post that you talked about. Right. I mean, and it does make you wonder, Peng since the beginning of the pandemic has not been active on the tour at all, at all, Mm -hmm. you know, and her compatriots, you know, um, um, Sam Sozer's doubles partner, um, her former doubles partner Shay Suwei. She does. She's not Chinese, but she, you know, she is from that area of the world. There are still Asian players that are participating in the WTA. It just makes you wonder what she's been going through for the past year and a half. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's all of it is just foggy, and it makes me nervous. <laughs> yeah. Well, where do you think it goes from here? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I have no idea. I wish I learned how to read Chinese um, script because you know it would have <laughs> made things easier watching those stories on the Peng Shui IG account. But um, I don't know. I I wonder whether she's going to participate in Australia just to kind of quell people's fears. Um, I mean, the the story and narrative in my mind is that she's going to uh, compete in Australia and then she's going to seek asylum. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like that's the kind of salacious idea that I have in my mind, but I don't know. I just, it's, it's crazy. One last thing about this whole story. 
I find it so fascinating that, you know, Pung was only a person known in the tennis community, but I don't know whether you're getting this, but within the last week of our episode being released, people were DMing me, people were DMing us and being like, hey, do you know this girl named Pung Shui? What's the deal? <laughs> like every media outlet, American, North American, picked it up and it's just become this rage. I mean, if you if you uh, Google search Pung Shui and actually put it into YouTube, it's not even about her matches anymore. Like, it's all about where is Peng Shui. Mm-hmm. So it's just insane how it's been mobilized. Yeah. Even Patrick McEnroe came out of podcast hiatus to have <laughs> a, sh- a couple short episodes about it. I mean, he didn't really say all that much. But um, as somebody in the media and working for ESPN, he was getting a lot of requests for interviews and all sorts of things. So we obviously hope that she's safe. Um, you know, we've had a few chuckles just because the story seems, I think, unbelievable. It's insane. Yeah. Um, but we hope that she's okay and and that she comes back to the tour, I guess, at some point. But who knows? Who knows? Who, who knows, girl? Who knows? Uh, I just have to give one more shout out to the WTA for having a strong stance about about this and you know i like i said not a lot of folks have stood up to the chinese government in this way so kudos to the wta at the risk of losing all all that all that business and and those potential loss of of tournaments in the year and finals and one of their off offices is in china so mm-hmm. yeah and um hopefully people can still find our podcast in china I was thinking about that. I mean, we're not even charting in that country. So, I mean, sure. Yeah. A few people are listening to us. So, I if, hope so. if you happen to know where Peng Shui is, please give us proof. <laughs> okay. Moving on. Hopefully, that story will have a conclusion in the next little while, um, i.e., tomorrow. Uh, but let's talk about the ladies. We'll stick with the ladies and the year-end finals. Uh, of course, you know, every year-end final that has the top eight players, you hope and dream will have the number six and number eight <laughs> player <laughs> contending for the final. And that's what we got. We knew from the beginning that <laughs> seeds five through eight were going to be the more exciting crew to watch. Yeah. And I don't, first of all, I'd like to open this segue into the women's Guadalajara finals with the most perfect comment that one of our IG followers shared with us. I don't even know if it's a guy or girl. My apologies for not remembering what your IG name is, but I just laughed so hard when I saw this person send this to our DMs. (laughs) Here she writes, Quote, what kind of reverse psychology stunts did y'all just pull pull with Mugu? <laughs> I think I mean, that was Mario. Was it Mario? Yeah. No medicine for melancholy? Yes. Okay, well, Mario, you're right. I mean, listen, it was not our intention to pull these, you know, reverse psychology stunts on Mugu. I thought legitimately that I was jinxing her every mother effing tournament this year and of course she has to be the champion holding the champions trophy at the end of the week in three days or whatever it is Mm -hmm. so i mean she i mean just to put it into perspective 
Mugu came into this to these finals championships not having had a lot of success. I mean, I'm sure you remember we spoke about her and her one-dimensional game in um, Indian Wells. Mm-hmm. We we said that oh my God, Bedosa is just a better version of Mugu. She's got more variety, and here we are <laughs> again with our with our feet in our mouths because Mugu just showed up and she lost her first opener against Pliskova, lost the, the her second rubber match. Sorry, lost the first set of her second rubber match to Krajikova. And from that point on, did not drop a set. Yeah. So yeah, she so just she caught fire. She beat the player that shall not be named two, twice in a row. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. In straight sets. Are we going to continue that? I don't know. I think it's, I think it's fine. I think we could probably say her name. I, I, you know what? I'm going to just hold off on saying her name because I still am choosing her as my pick for the Australian Open. Gotcha. Okay. Well, let's, <laughs> we're going to keep it going that long. That's fine. <laughs> okay. I think the reverse psychology piece, though, is that we don't really want them to come on our show. Ah, uh, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want any WTA players or ATP players yeah. to come on our show at all. Especially, we, we especially don't want Mugu. No. Or the player that shall not be named. Definitely not. To come on our show. No, we don't want Roger on our show. We don't want Barty on our show. We want Ostapenko, though. <laughs> we really want Ostapenko and Pliskova. Yeah. And Ki- and Kyrgios. <laughs> oh, for sure, Kyrgios. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and scene. Um, were you... Were there any other surprises for you? Like, were you surprised that once again... Sabalenka was unable to pull through in the clutch moments. <laughs> no, I was not surprised. Um, I think she's going to finish this year. I hope that she finishes this 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 year, knowing that she obviously has the talent to go deep in draws, but she's got to re she's got to work with a sports psychologist or someone additional on her team to get her to jump over or to jump through that last hurdle which is winning a semi-final winning a final of a grand slam or a masters 1000 and that's going to be her takeaway from this entire experience particularly this entire year so was i surprised no um any other surprises Mm, i mean other than the fact that i thought that the estonian player was going to win the whole thing I'm, I was pretty happy with Bedosa's performance. I think Bedosa's a, you know, in doing the notes for this episode, I'm like, yeah, we're going to talk about Mugu. We're going to talk about the Estonian player. But Bedosa's really like a player that we should mention because she also came out of nowhere, not even within the last year, but like she did nothing on the tour last year. Mm-hmm. Like in the 2020 season, she did not a damn thing. And here she is now with a Masters 1000 title and then having qualified like, I don't even know what her ranking was at the beginning of the year, but good enough to make the top eight. I believe she was in and around 60. If you recall, she was one of those players who I think landed in Australia and then mm. subsequently got, got COVID. Right, that's and right. And then she sort of, you know, obviously went through that experience and that's not enjoyable. And I think she dealt with it a bit more than other athletes had so she struggled with it for a bit but then you know throughout the latter half of the season 
emerged as somebody to watch. I compare her more to Vika, which is why I like the Indian Wells uh, final. But mm-hmm. um, and I know you compared her, I think, a bit more to Maria. Mm-hmm. Although totally. I don't think she hits as hard as Maria, she, and she has a little bit more variety than Maria. Yeah, there. I mean the the similarities are really more in the physicality. Um, and I didn't see it at first, but when you when you kind of just like look at her matches, she has the same same kind of stature as she does. But um, yeah, I was really happy with Bedosa. I was really sad for Zachary. Mm-hmm. You know, like talk about having kind of like an Arena Sabalenka moment. I feel like Zachary has been like the perpetual perennial um, semifinalist, not being able to make a fine at least a final. Yeah. Um, I think she made a final this year though in a couple tournaments. No. I don't know. No, I don't I'm not know. Sure. I, I'm I mean, not if sure. we can't, if we can't remember, then likely then not. it didn't happen. Yeah. And then it didn't happen, right? <laughs> but I do remember. Like, I mean, she made a good run at the French Open. Um, qualified, obviously, for Guadalajara. Made it to the semifinals. So her, along with Sab, maybe they should do like a two for one special. Mm-hmm. Maybe they should do like a sports psychologist, but like split the fees. Like you do the first thirty minutes, and I do the next thirty minutes. <laughs> And it's like a group sesh. You know, why can we not make a final? Why can we not win a tournament? <laughs> I feel that though, even even though they make it to semifinal stages, they both made it to the semis of the U.S. Open mm-hmm. this year. Uh, they can afford their own sports psychologist. <laughs> but I, I agree with you around Zachary. She's like the most athletic player, perhaps on the tour, like physically gifted in terms of like just her like stature and her build as an athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, she, I think competes harder than anyone. She's won some big matches. Like she beat um, Bianca a couple times in some thrilling matches. And the Sabalenka win was obviously a thrilling match. Although TSN decided not to air that mm-hmm. match. So I was not able to watch it, but it looked like <laughs> it was amazing. Two tie breaks and then six, three in the third. So I think, I think she will have her time, Zachary. And I wonder if I hope they they have their time around the same time. But I do think Zachary mm. has a bit more variety. Sabalenka needs to um, develop. I think one more dimension to her game in some way and fix that second serve. Mm-hmm. She double yeah. faulted in I forget which match, like thirteen times or something like that. Yeah, I mean, and just to tie it back to Mugu, that final was a masterclass in how to use your first serve. Like, Mugu didn't have a crazy amount of aces, but she had a pretty high first serve percent percentage, and she was using it to, like, to allow her to hit first strike tennis. Mm-hmm. We've been watching the Estonian player for the past six weeks, two months, kind of run people on the on the court ragged but Mugu was doing that to her in that final and it was a very comprehensive straightforward win like she would have a really good first serve and then just like kind of raggedy and doll her around until she had an open court it was like it was vintage Mugu (laughs) so you know and uh, I'm not gonna take away I'm not gonna go back on our initial comment of Mugu needing to add dimension even the commentators were saying that she has to in this time off, learn how to come forward and take balls out of the air and, you know, be aggressive at the net because that's your next step if you're an aggressive baseliner. Um, 
But I mean, her execution was perfect. Absolutely perfect. So, you know, Mugu bookends a successful 2021. She had an amazing first part of the year. You know, um, she won Dubai. She made the finals of Doha. I think she made another final. Um, she, I believe she would have either won the Australian Open or gone to the final had she beaten Naomi Osaka in that fourth mm-hmm. round. Then she kind of did nothing for the rest of the year, was kind of like made a second, third round, whatever. And then finally, at the, at the end of the year, she, um, she gets it together. So mm-hmm. it was a good 2021 overall for her. Yeah, I think that warm-up tournament in Chicago probably helped her too. Mm-hmm. Getting a, yeah. a win under her belt going into the year in championships. I was thoroughly I thoroughly enjoyed the the pre-match stuff with Billie Jean <laughs> King and the the coin toss she was like not into the pageantry at all she was <laughs> completely focused she barely gave player that shall not be named a look she did not want to smile for those pictures she wanted none of it she was focused <laughs> I know, but like, you know, once match point concluded and there was a trophy presentation, she was literally all smiles. Yeah. Like that post-match interview on court, she was like, I'm so sorry, um, player that not, shall not be named for beating you twice. <laughs> She's like, congratulations to your team. <laughs> Do you think um, the Estonian was maybe a little bit tired? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I think at this point she's like, Someone give me a nap. Like, I need to have a nap. Yeah. Four tournament titles, you know, three of which happen within the the span of two months is like, it's a lot of matches, you know, plus the packing, plus the jet lag, plus the practice, plus like, you know, having to deal with our constant DMs being like, come on our show. (laughs) (laughs) Or don't. Or don't, exactly. Reverse psychology. Yeah. We... She, she just, she just came across a better player, and she probably was maybe half a step slower. Mm. You know? She is now at home, and I mm-hmm. saw that you commented on her flooring. Oh, she had beautiful flooring. Yeah, she's back in Estonia. She's doing her thing. Um, and uh, funny enough, do you know where Mugu is right now? No, she's in Saint Barts <laughs> with a pina colada in her bikini enjoying her fullest life like get it using that money using that uh, guadalajara money eight hundred and twenty thousand dollars dang sis like daiquiri's <laughs> on me yeah <laughs> you know what if she had not lost that first match she would have won 1.68 million dollars so Damn. like over twice the prize money if you go undefeated Oh well, I mean, what is it? Eight hundred twenty. Eight hundred and eight hundred twenty to the winner, yeah. To the winner. I mean, that's not a bad payout. That's a good piece of pie, y'all. <laughs> that, that's a few margaritas for sure. Mm-hmm. Congrats to Mugu. I mean, congrats. The WTA never fails to disappoint in giving you a plethora and a variety of winners throughout the season (laughs) and none of us would have picked you and of course you would take home the trophy you're the winner winner chicken dinner how would it have been different if Barty was there oh that's a good question I mean I I don't know I, I, I don't know I mean I think well Player that shall not be named. She would wouldn't not have be qualified. There. Yeah. Um, 
maybe she would have because Ons had to withdraw. No, no, no. no. She beat Ons. She beat Ons. Mm-hmm. Um, Ons did good... withdraw though because she had injury, so she couldn't be the the first backup alternate. Yeah, right. Um, that's a good question. I mean the the game styles that were present in the finals were more or less the same. So having someone with all of Barty's variety would have been cool to see how things would have shake how that would have shaken things up. Um, I just think that an Informugu, well, it's hard to say. I was going to say an Informugu, could she beat a Barty? But I think Barty just has so many different plans, like plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D, mm-hmm. that... You know, she just has more possibility of winning at the end of the day. Yeah. So. And I mean, having taken off sort of the end of the summer after the U.S. Open, it was likely that she wasn't going to compete. And Mm. even if she did decide to come back, she is definitely the favorite, as we know. You know, she came back from a year off and she had an amazing season. So. Yeah, maybe this is just her vibe. Maybe she's just going to give it her all in the first like six or seven months of the tour and just have a mental break for a couple months. Like she's on the golf course. She's doing IG stories with her niece and nephew. It's just like a really cute situation. Yeah. While everyone else is toiling on the tour. (laughs) (laughs) She's got that Wimbledon rosewater dish. Yeah. (laughs) Or the replica. So she's happy with her season and the four other titles that she won. Mm-hmm. in 2021 okay there was another tour finals that was happening oh tell me so i know that you sort of watched the i don't think they did they have a gala situation this year but i wondered if you paid attention to sort of the photo shoot that they did oh babe babe okay first of all <laughs> i have not shared this on the podcast yet i am a huge fan of the net the spanish netflix series elite in Spanish called Elite, which is basically a high school drama where, you know, they all have sex with each other and end up killing one person every season. (laughs) But they're all basically like super hot Spanish teenagers. And uh, the ATP photo shoot, the pre-tournament photo shoot where they're all walking through some, I I don't know, it seemed like, um, it seemed like the... Like like a a, university campus or something. Yeah. You know, with like the columns and the pillars and they all were in their like collegiate jackets. I was um, I was feeling it. I was like, damn, <laughs> like you guys all look good. The only person that I didn't think looked good was Joko. Joko's actually quite short compared to the rest of them, eh? Yeah. I mean, the new generation of players are all like taller than 6'1 and Joko's 6'1. So, he, I mean, he's pretty tall, but... Not compared to, you know, Berrettini and Zverev and Daniil and her catch. Casper uh, being the smallest, I guess. Who did you think looked the sharpest? Probably Berrettini. He mm. just looks sort of model-esque in a way. Yeah, uh, for sure. All the play- I saw the sort of preview video of, of them filming that whole situation. And everybody seemed to think Hubie looked the best. Yeah, Hubie looked good. He was wearing a turtleneck, right? Yeah. He was wearing like a nice, sophisticated turtleneck. Uh, who did you think looked the worst? Oh, God. Maybe. Well, I think it was Joko who looked like he was wearing a varsity jacket. Uh huh. Um, maybe Daniil? No, Daniil looked good. Did I he? thought Daniil looked really good. I guess I wasn't paying full attention to all, how all of them looked. Rublev looked the worst. <laughs> Rublev's he... a model, he needs to own it. <laughs> 
Why were his jeans, like, why was he wearing those jeans? Those <laughs> jeans were not appropriate. Everyone was in, like, a nice pair of pants, like, slacks or, like, dark denim. And he was wearing, like, this weird acid wash, wash situation. Oh. Like. Gross. Didn't he win GQ Man of the Year or some <laughs> shit like that in Russia? Like GQ Russia, yeah. Yeah, like, step it up, babe. Like, <laughs> you did not look cute. <laughs> well, um, the play was cute for a mm-hmm. bit. Um, <laughs> I really uh, felt bad, obviously, for Baratini. I think we talked about this last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that gave Sinner a chance to compete. And in doing so, uh, and winning his first match against Hubie, which was Hubie's second, mm. he bumped FAA out of the top 10. FAA had arrived in the top 10 <laughs> for a week, and Sinner was like, uh uh-uh, uh, sweetie. <laughs> you know just when you just when fa had a, a reason to celebrate i mean not having ever won a title he could at least have had said like i'm i'm in the top 10 <laughs> but that was very short-lived yeah yeah <laughs> um well unlike the wta which had player number six and player eight mm. we had really one two and three sort of as the favorites and then rude number eight making it to the semis was that a surprise for you i mean uh, based on who is left not really i mean rude compared to hubi and compared to who's the other player that i'm missing well actually no rublev rublev had a good year i mean but rude seems to be like your like not your journeyman but like your a person that goes on the court and he's going to give 100% every time. Like, you know, he's the champion of the 250 tournament. So is it a surprise? Mm, yeah, maybe slightly. Was it a surprise that he got demolished in the semifinal? Not at all. <laughs> I thought, so I I wasn't sure if I was going to enjoy the rude Rublev match, which was sort of the the rubber match or whatever you would call it to decide who goes to the semifinals, but it was actually a very entertaining match. Mm. And um, yeah, I'm impressed with Rude. I would say 2022. Yeah. We're all going to have uh. a Rude Awakening. Oh, you're going <laughs> to. That should go on a t shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's our next collection. I like it. Yeah. No, yeah. that's great. I think, um, you know, he got flogged by Curios for being, you know, a man of the clay and then he you know figured himself out he got more matches on the hard courts and was signing that screen after some matches saying hardcore win <laughs> or something <laughs> like that to uh, rib on curios and then won a title in san diego and kept making qu- quarterfinals he made the quarterfinals in toronto and that got him you know into the world tour finals and i think he's starting to be a bit more competitive on hard courts i mean he took djokovic to a tie break in his first match sort of fell off after that but you know won his next two matches and unfortunately in the semis like you said lost to daniel mm-hmm. yeah i agree that next year there is going to be a rude awakening and he's just going to level up to the 500s yeah he's going to yeah. move his way up yeah you know natural progression like mm-hmm. let's not get crazy here he's not going to win a slam like oh. let's be honest. Okay. He's he's not. 
guys, come on. Like, <laughs> he's not winning a slam next year. He's giving me, like, David Ferrer, Michael Chang vibes. Like, you know, he, he has to have things open up for him in order for him to really have a shot at winning a slam title. But, I mean, it's not to say that he can't improve. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's what the offseason is for. <laughs> I think he will at the end of the day he'll have a, a better career than David Ferrer mm. I I think he, the reason I believe that is I think his serve is actually um, better than one might expect I think he has nice pop on his serve uh, mm. I think in a couple of those matches he hit like 13 or 15 aces and the power he can get on his forehand is pretty uh, exceptional. And he has that variety, those loopy, those loopy balls, resetting mm. the point, and he's very quick. Yeah. yeah. He's going to make some deep runs in slams next year, I think. Oh, wow. You're going, you're really, you're on his, you're really rooting for him. Yeah. I'm rooting, rude, rooting for him. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the top three... Those were the the guys I think that we were all watching and to see how they they would do. Medvedev kind of struggled. Uh, each of his matches went three sets except for the semi. What were your he, thoughts on he's, on him? He's, he's in my bad books. I was so disgusted with his behavior. Oh, okay, ab- good. Absolutely disgusted with his behavior in his match against Sinner. <laughs> Go over it. Can you and to be, and to be share honest, this with you... your with our audience? So obviously, well, not obviously, but Daniil Daniil's match with Yannick was a dead they call it a dead match i'm not sure if that's the precise term but that's, anyway yeah no i think that's what they call it yeah yeah it's a dead match because he had already qualified it was really for nothing um he blistered yannick in the first set six love like gave him a montreal styled old-fashioned bagel with extra so much sa- cream cheese so much cream cheese just like like you're italian but i'm gonna embarrass you in front of your home crowd <laughs> The second set got more competitive, obviously. It went to a tiebreak. Yannick ended up clinching that tiebreak. And, of course, being the Italian on home turf, was trying to rile up the crowd and get them excited. And why wouldn't you? I mean, you're not going to qualify for the semifinal. You're, you want to make an impression. You want to make a memory. So who's to fault Yannick for doing what he did? Now, on the changeover, after... Yannick clinched the tiebreaker. <laughs> the video, ca- the camera panned to Daniil's face, and he was yawning, like not and not even like a yawn without a hand. Like you know, sometimes you might have a yawn because you're nervous or whatnot. But he was like mocking. It was a mocking situation. Like he was covering his hand and like exaggerating the yawn. Yeah. Okay, um, I thought that was rude. Um, and then when I posted it to the IG asking whether people thought it was a legitimate yawn or whether it was rude, people thought it was a, a yawn. Are you stupid? <laughs> Guys, come on now. Like 57% of people, I think I wrote in my notes, 57% of people thought it was a yawn. What? Why no. would you be yawning? Yeah, babe, look in the look in the archive. No, our listeners 100%. thought it was an actual yawn. Come on now. No, they did for real. <laughs> no, I, I believe like, you, but what the F? No, that was, yeah. That, first of all, that was so shady. Like, that was beyond shady. Then we, okay, then we head into the third set. Who knew what, who knows what Medvedev was thinking at this time? It ends up going to a tiebreaker. It's a very heated tiebreaker. Like, you know, a match point saved here or there. And when Medvedev saves 
a match point, he um, he kind of gestures to the cl- to the crowd like 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 a cla- like a just a mocking clap yeah. to the crowd, <laughs> babe, and like like putting his hand to his ear like where's my applause? Ew! I'm just I was so turned <laughs> off by that. Yikes! See, like, I I love that kind of stuff. I think the yawning is a bit a bit rude. Just like hmm. if you didn't want to be there, you could have thrown in the towel and there were points in the match where he was trying to do that like yeah, he was yeah. down 4-2 I think in the third set mm. and he was just rifling serves like rifling serves and like wailing forehands not really caring whether they went in and he he just suddenly won the game and then broke center and was it was 4-all and yeah it was a very entertaining strange you know, you got behind center because you wanted to do well after being blitzed in that first set. And mm-hmm. yeah, sometimes Daniil um, crosses the line a little bit. I mean, he's in Italy, sinners, Italian, not Australian. And mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and he should be able to understand that that's going to happen and that they're going to be on center's side and to sort of figure that out and realize that they're going to cheer for things that maybe they shouldn't, which would be like a missed volley or like a missed forehand or a double fault and Mm -hmm. just sort of brush those things off. But for some reason he gets into moods. um, Yeah. So moody. Yeah. So moody. I just was like really just grossed out by his behavior the entire match. But that is why he is so entertaining. (laughs) Mm, It's like, I, I mean, I can I can get why people would be so anti Joko. I mean, I think he maybe gives off that vibe to other people, but there's just there was something about the way that he behaved in that match. I mean, it was the yawning, it was just like the goading the, of the crowd, and he I don't know, just it, it like screams toxic masculinity, and I'm not about that. Oh, okay, yeah, that's yikes. fair. I think the yawn, the yawn was a bit much. I don't know why you would, <laughs> you would do that. Like go out and compete in the match and be present and you know if you want to give 80 percent, that's fine but don't appear to be giving 80 percent. appear to be giving 100 mm-hmm. percent. Mm-hmm. um yeah i f- i fully hear what you're saying but i'm still on the daniel bandwagon <laughs> just because i think it's always thoroughly entertaining and he's he's just not does not look like a tennis player like mm. he looks like the guy who would be coming over to fix your computer um (laughs) weird ground strokes but i always watch his matches now knowing that you know probably 99.5 percent of them are gonna go in like the guy never misses Mm -hmm. and um an insane defense yeah insane defense yeah but he could not defend against zverev i I so if you're on the Daniil bandwagon, I am so on the Zverev bandwagon. I mean, last week was it last week when we talked about him being tired and just kind of like flaming out in the quarters or something? Semis, or, yeah, in Paris. In the semis, you know, maybe he just needs a nap. I mean, if he got, he definitely got the nap that he needed because I felt like his play the entire tournament, he was so fluid and so uh, full of energy and so just like thoughtful about his game and his strategy. And that that final was a bit of a routing, I thought. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just played perfect execution. 
Yeah. So I'm I'm really happy for him. I mean, this time last year, he was embroiled in all of that controversy, and now to be the you know Olympic champion, now um, the you know tour finals champion, plus four other tournaments, um, he really turned it around. So good on good on Daddy Zverev. Yeah, I'm feeling him. And he turned turned it around on Medvedev, having lost five times in a row. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, let's not forget that he beat Joko in the semis. That's that's right. <laughs> that was an incredible match as well. Yeah, no, he's. Um, I think that he's really staking his claim to be a person to di- to really legitimately discuss as a slam a slam winner in the in the next calendar year. You know, it's funny. I was watching this kind of discussion of um, Andy Roddick and the Tennis Channel commentators and saying, you know, what's what's it going to look like at the end of next year? Who Who's going to break free of the 20 Grand Slam, um, you know, titles? Is it going to be Rafa? Is Rogers probably not going to be playing? Is it going to be Joko? And I was like, why is no one talking about Zverev? Like, Zverev needs to be included in the equation. I mean, the big question mark to me is my ex-boyfriend. Yeah. Talk about an app. <laughs> he, needs, he needs an app. <laughs> well, we'll talk about him in a second. But people mm-hmm. have trouble talking about Zverev in the slams because he has not won one, although he's come close and now is making deep runs. He made two semis this year. Mm-hmm. But he has also not defeated a top 10 player at a Grand Slam. Mm, yeah, that's, I mean, talk about someone that can't do it on the big stage. So, I mean, that's going to be his kind of takeaway mm-hmm. that he's been able to do it on these other large stages. But when it counts, he's got to really kind of, you know, step up. Yeah, he's going to have to step up. But he seems ex- he already said he's very excited for 2022. So mm-hmm. he's definitely one to watch in Australia. Did you want to talk about any other other players? I felt kind of bad. Hubie looked out of his league. Yeah. In a couple of those uh, matches. And then Sitsi had to withdraw yeah um there wasn't really much about cc other than that he had a right elbow injury mm-hmm. um you know i think that this talk about like starting the year off really strongly but then tapering off completely at the end i think he's gotta find some like rededication recommitment kind of realign himself with what he wants um so i'm excited to see what his kind of you know, off season's going to look like. Little shout out to Cam Nori. Like I kind of want, I kind of thought of Cam Nori as like the girl at the Miss Universe pageant that doesn't, that's never going to make the final cut, but is there for like the, you know, for the for the free buffet. Like she gets to go with all of the girls to the buffet. She gets <laughs> to go to the club and have the drinks and do all the photo shoots. But like you know, it was a nice little experience for Cam. So I thought that was cute. I thought it was cute. Well, he had two matches. One he could have won against Casper, and then he got destroyed by Choco in the dead match. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, other yeah. dead match. But yeah, it's sort of uh, a nice wrap to the season, I would say, with the year-end finals. And I think the top four players, if you think about who was the most successful of the year. Mm-hmm. Those were the four players that made yes. the semifinals. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Undoubtedly. Like at least four tournaments for each of them. At least. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, yeah. I think I think Daniil won at least four. three, if not four. And then yeah. Zverev, Joko, and Casper each won five. 
Now, yeah. now Zverev's six. won six. Yeah. Right. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, speaking of slams for next year, we should close by talking about the Australian Open. And mm-hmm. they have now confirmed that all officials, spectators, media, and players, and I presume their teams who come with them, will now need to be double vaxxed. So the question is, I think, around... I think everybody, all eyes are on Djokovic, but I think all eyes are on um, some other players as well. It sounds like um, the ATP has said that about 80% of its active players are fully vaccinated. So we'll start to see um, some stories emerge, I think, of players who won't be coming or will be Mm. withdrawing or we'll start to see some visuals of needles and arms or people will just show up and we'll (laughs) we'll have to assume that they got vaccinated at some point because Joko seems to be one of those players who doesn't want to talk about it Mm -hmm. um gosh what a loaded question to ask at the end end of the show (laughs) I mean if the Australian government is adamant about this rule and they and their number one concern is to keep their citizens safe while still providing entertainment in the form of the Australian Open then i think that if you want to participate you should be respectful of that and if you and the bottom line is is if you don't want to get vaccinated then don't go yeah. you know that's just that's just really what it what it boils down to i mean obviously there are more shades of gray you know it, particularly when it comes to like access and like, um, you know, players that want to play, but have certain beliefs around vaccination, but also need to be able to compete because they want to win the tournament or they want to have a shot of that prize money. You know, that's also kind of complicates things, but oh, well, if you don't want to get (laughs) vaccinated, you can't play, babe. Sorry. That's just the bottom line. I don't know what else to say. Yeah. You know? So he seemed to avoid the question at the end uh, of, or during the interview uh, in his loss to Zverev. So he was asked about, will he compete in Melbourne? And he said, we'll see. And then he was pressed further. um, And he said, I haven't been, I haven't talked to the organizers. I was just waiting to hear what the news is going to be. Mm -hmm. Now that I know, now that I know that we'll have to be vaccinated, uh, Mm -hmm. we'll just have to wait and see. leaving us in suspense oh my gosh like the perfect cliffhanger for like the end of the season end of season two of rptp but i mean let's just remember what the controversy that he was embroiled in at the beginning of this year at the australian open when you know he was asking for all of these um i guess you could call them perks or like uh, special circumstances given to him like he didn't want to be in the quarantine hotel he asked if he could stay in a separate residence with his own this and his own that so you know, this again adds to the whole like Djokovic being unlikable because you can just imagine him trying to finagle a way to participate in the tournament but not get vaxxed. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's that 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 that's going on. But I mean, of any of any slam tournament, I think the Australian Open has been very firm mm-hmm. about its beliefs and about its practices. And I mean, the government itself, like there's one case we're shutting the show down. Like no one's, <laughs> no one's leaving their house. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like with the talk about a possible fourth wave that's, you know, that's on the horizon, like countries in Europe are now, I think Austria's in lockdown. Yeah. Germany's in lockdown. I, I don't know if Germany's in lockdown, but I think Austria is at least. Um, 
Austria's in lockdown for people who are unvaccinated. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, there yeah. you go. It'll <laughs> be interesting, you know, you sort of hinted that maybe there's some, like, behind-the-scenes diplomacy for Joko to try and maybe get away with coming without being vaccinated. And, you know, mm-hmm. we may never know if that's true if he does show up, but I presume the tournament is being clear for a reason and if mm. that were to happen that would just add to the joko haters for sure <laughs> oh yeah like <laughs> completely yeah he's a freedom of choice guy i mean he said early in the tournament that that's essential for everyone whether it's me or somebody else doesn't really matter whether it's vaccination or anything else in life you should have the freedom to choose in this particular case what you want to put in your body mm-hmm. i mean that's a point well taken yeah that's a point well taken but the you know, government of Australia should have the right, I guess, to decide whether you come or not. Yeah, I mean, it really it really boils down to the individual versus the collective good. You know, like, what are you willing to sacrifice? Like, what trumps your personal freedoms or the the health and well-being of the, of the whole? And, you know, there's a lot of science and a lot of, like, different sources that you can read and, and kind of get all mixed up. But... I mean, I think I believe that governments are trying to their best to work with the information given to them. And if this is what the Australian government wants, then that's what they're going to get. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, Zverev agrees with you. He said, uh, this is a very tough one because it's very political, but we are visiting another country. This is not about tennis. This is about mm. the virus that is going on. We need to follow the rules and follow the guidelines. Period. Point blank into period. <laughs> um, well, that sort of puts a period on our season, although we're going to do another episode in a couple of weeks mm-hmm. to like wrap it up. Wrap it up. We're going to shift our focus and do um, more kind of like Shopify merch stuff. Yeah, we're going to support you purchasing some stuff for us, mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. us, for you. I know Mugu, Mugu, and and Sasha are our tour winners for the year. Cray cray. One last uh, shout out to our friend Christian, <laughs> who's playing a challenger event in Puerto Vallarta. <laughs> we wish him good luck. I wanted to message him and say, well, two things. Number one, does he know that's like the number one gay destination <laughs> in the entire in the entire world? <laughs> um, and I'm pretty sure he'd be so down with like singing a Whitney cover at like one of the gay bars for, oh, for sure. sure. <laughs> um, and obviously Lou's going to come. We're all going to have a great time. And I was like, babe, stick around. I'm going to be in PV on the 23rd. So like, you know, just come back and we can party. It'll be fun. 23rd, not as in two days, but like. 23rd of December. December. Exactly. Gotcha. A bit of a winter getaway. Oh, that's nice. You're going to be there for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Yep. Okay, cool. <laughs> Who's taking Bruno? Mummy. Oh, mom- mommy's- oh, you- oh, mommy's coming to stay in your condo. Yeah, mommy's mommy and Bruno time. Oh, that's nice. Well, <laughs> um, it's over. I can't believe it. <sighs> but we'll be here with you one more time this year. And yeah. then again in 2022. Ah! But get ready because Friday will be here before you know it. And Friday is the day we drop that merch. Woohoo! We're so excited <laughs> for you to have it and we will be wearing it ourselves. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Those, the photo shoot's going to be fierce. Oh, you gave away something else. Oh, what? The photo, doing shoot? A photo shoot? 
Oh, Avi. <laughs> we're not, babe, we're not basic. <laughs> <laughs> um, and neither are our listeners. Exactly. On that note, we bid you adieu. Happy 2021. We're here for your tennis-tainment or your tentertainment or whatever it is. But if you like what we're serving up, please give us a five-star review and like, share, and subscribe and like such as. Wait, one more thing. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Ready Play Tennis Podcast.